Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and very excited to have with me today, Reverend Connie Habash. Did I say it right? You did. All right. Well done. <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here and be a part of everyone's healing today, hopefully. Oh. Thank you for that. Yeah, thanks for being here. So I'm going to read off my sheet of paper here, but psychotherapist, sure. yoga teacher, interfaith minister, and we're going to dive in a little bit, bit to your awakening from anxiety, which is, again, before I hit record, I said, I'm just uh, excited about uh, the work you're doing in the world. Thank you. It's, it's inspiring, especially during this time where anxiety is so high for everybody. It's Great. I guess it was good timing that I brought this book forth or it came through me to be able to help people. Yeah. And I love that. I love that idea of it coming through. I'm in the process of finishing up my book manuscript, which has been in the works forever. It's Mm -hmm. sitting at about 90% and it's that last little hurdle. Um, But yeah, when I, when I, I sent up a prayer to the Holy Spirit for the title of it. And it just, it did, it came through me, which was beautiful. So, you know, that's the only way really that I write, because when I try to write or for that matter, teach or speak from my head of this is me speaking and I need to come up with something meaningful and significant and important. I just kind of freeze. But when I was, when I teach, I kind of get in this zone. I let go of myself and I just trust I call it trust the process. That's one of my big mantras for life and, and with my students and, and clients. Um, trust what comes through. And it's always so much better than what I could have thought of. So I was actually like looking back through my book again before um, the show today. And I'm like, hi, I forgot I wrote that. I forgot I wrote that. Because I was kept putting myself in this space of, okay, what wants to be written through me right now? And just letting that process happen rather than thinking so hard about it. And trying to make something sound good. Yeah, that's beautiful. And maybe I just need to do that with this last 10%. <laughs> it's just <laughs> say, what is it that needs to come through me? I love it. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, awesome. So one of the things that I saw when I when I stalked your website was psycho-spiritual tools. Um, th- mm-hmm. Those words, for whatever reason, really resonated with me. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I see everyone as a complete human being in that we're, we're physical, mental, emotional, we're also energetic beings, even physiologically in terms of the atoms and energy uh, of our nervous system and spiritual. And so I'm always integrating whatever my client's spirituality is into the work that we do. And when I say spiritual, it doesn't necessarily mean religious. It can be, it can be 
as you've said, you have a Catholic background or it can be Buddhist or Hindu or Native American or whatever it is, or it can just be your own personal relationship and connection to something greater than you. So for some people, I actually say in the book that um, atheists can be spiritual too, that um, I find a lot of people in my life who call themselves atheists, they have a higher principle that really matters to them, whether it's service to the greater good or truthfulness or love, or some people um, think of it as the universe, the cosmos. So to me, spirituality is we have a, a connection to and a relationship with that something greater in our lives and that that's an important guiding principle for us, an important um, uh, avenue from which we discover meaning for ourselves and purpose for our life. Yeah, and beautiful. And I, and I love that encompassing like the whole person, because how many times it's just the focus on healing the body or healing the right. mind or right. when really, particularly when we talk about trauma and anxiety mm. and, and uh, the impacts of anxiety, it's, it is an all, it's usually anxiety a lot of times is trauma related. Um, and so it's impacted us on a spiritual level just as much so as on a physiological level. Absolutely. And that our, our spiritual connection, whatever that is for us, um, is such an important part of the healing process. Um, and many people don't recognize that. But when we can bring that in, then you have the support of the infinite, right? Then you have the support of something that uh, is all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present. I mean, what better ally, right? What better... Uh, support system in your life can there be than that in your healing than calling upon that infinite source yes amen I, I well it's certainly a big part of um of my healing journey yes i utilized all of these healing modalities and filled this toolbox but prayer and faith and um, that spiritual connection is a big part of it as well mm -hmm. yeah wonderful all right so so yeah awakening from anxiety is uh, do you want to talk about what the book entails? Sure. And I, I can actually talk about the title itself um, because it's, it's got a dual meaning. So on the one hand, of course, people want to feel better, right? People want to come out of the anxiety and find that inner peace and inner calm. Um, but I also use that the words awakening from anxiety in terms of that the very emotions that give us trouble like anxiety, fear, worry, but also other emotions like anger or depression can actually be the portals and the gateways into greater spiritual awakening, greater connection to something uh, bigger than us, uh, deeper meaning, more fulfillment, more sense of oneness, um, and of course, more inner peace. Yeah. And which is what we're striving for, right? Is that inner Absolutely. peace? Yeah. Mm hmm that's wonderful. So in the book, I, you know, I explore uh, different kinds of spiritual principles and yoga philosophy. And then I have seven keys to overcoming anxiety and returning to your divine calm, confident self. Yeah, that's awesome. So there, what did you say? There's seven? Like There's seven keys. Um, okay. And we can go through at least a few of them, maybe sure. all. Sure, I'd love you to. Absolutely. Sure. Um, and to me, the foundational key, which is the first one I talk about in the book, is presence. 
So presence is similar to mindfulness. I define it as bringing your awareness and attention into the present moment as it is, not as the stories we tell about the present moment in our mind, but as it is with an open heart and a quiet mind. Quiet mind meaning um, not necessarily the be able to make your mind completely silent. Right. <laughs> anyone who's tried meditation now is like, well, I can't seem to get my mind to quiet, right? But that we're letting go of our attachment to the thoughts, we're just kind of letting them go on through and returning to what a, sometimes has been described as the space between the thoughts, that silence, that inner quiet and stillness. So we bring our awareness, we become conscious of what is here in this present moment, and our attention focused on right here, right now, trying to quiet the mind and open the heart to just how it is. Because most of the time, I think we're honest about this, and I know I've done this myself, I talk about in the book, we are actually narrating our lives rather than being present in our lives. We're telling a story about how it is. And when we're dealing with anxiety, it's usually not a great story, right? It's usually like, oh my God, it's this going to get worse. And, and what will it be like if it's like this? And oh my gosh, when the, a time when I was in pain like that, is it going to get like that? And so we're telling this whole story that keeps perpetuating the very thing that we're trying to get out of, right? Worry, fear, stress, anxiety. So presence helps shift us out of that whole mental state into the very simplicity of what is here right now, like my, my cup of tea. And I could just simply be present with the taste of the tea in my mouth, with holding, holding the cup in my hands and the feeling of that, with my feet on the carpet beneath me right now, with the experience of my breath moving out and in, or the sunlight coming in through my window there. And, you know, these things sound ridiculously simple, right? I mean, and they're, but they're here all the time and coming into that simplicity. The practice of mindfulness, for those of you who have done this, is, is just like this. Brings this sense of ease and this sense of aliveness, actually. That there's so much here, right here, right now, available to us just in what is. And the nervous system can calm down. So when we become present, we're not in that spin of the story of the thoughts. Everything in the body starts to regulate and calm down. And that leads into the second um, key of embodiment. But I'll, I'll pause there so we can. Well, I just, I, it's listening to you talk. One, I had an aha moment of what you just said about um, not narrating my life that's just such a super cool way i don't know how to explain it to look at it um yeah that's that was an aha moment but as you talked and you talked about your tea and the sunlight i'm not kidding like i felt my shoulders just start to relax because i came into in just that as my therapist would tell me that that um just notice and so i was just just noticing and being with you in that space, but in my space. <laughs> I don't know. Very cool. Yes, that's exactly it. And I find that 
when I go outdoors in nature, whether it's in my yard or out on a balcony if I'm in an apartment or to the neighborhood uh, park if there's one nearby, or ideally out on a hiking trail, being present in nature is transformative. Yeah. There's so much beauty. There's so much peace and ease. And everything in nature is already present. It's not thinking about what happened a week ago, like the trees, you know, I mean, I don't know, I'm not in their mind, I don't know, but, you know, but I, they, I don't think, they don't appear to be doing other thing that, anything other than being, yeah. being that which they are, they're fully present in this moment, and connecting to that, so presence to me goes a little deeper than mindfulness, I learned presence from my, one of my teachers, Leonard Jacobson, it goes a little deeper than mindfulness in that you, you begin to really connect with what you're being present with. So when I, you know, turn here in my office and I look out my window at, there's a beautiful oak tree, there's a beautiful pine tree, there's birds that are in them. And I'm really present with, with say the oak tree. I start to feel connected. I start to feel a relationship to and a connection with that tree. And can actually receive some of the qualities of that fully being present, the trees being an oak tree. And it's rooted, it's grounded, which is one of, one of the principles of embodiment, my second key. It's opening to receive the sun. It's receiving the water from the earth. It's just being. And we've, we've actually <laughs> lost our connection to human being we become human doings or human thinkings. We're just constantly like right. mind, right? In busyness and not ever really being. Our true nature is being. And that's where we find the peace. We deceive ourselves a bit into thinking that if I keep doing more or if I keep thinking and figuring it out, I'm going to find my sense of ease and peace. But it doesn't happen, right? Because there's always more to do. There's always something else that's triggered to think about. And when we come into being, that quiet, that's where we can experience the ease. Yes. One thing that I just noticed is I was listening to you and very focused on your words and your message and what it was you were saying. A bird started singing just outside my window. I didn't look to see if one had landed, but I could hear it singing. And then I could hear my dog back behind me. Sammy's in the room with me. And so she took a big, oh, and she kind of let her breath out. But it was, it was, it was just a summation in my head of what you were saying of just being and listening to what you were saying, but also allowing everything that was happening around me to just kind of settle into me. So, yeah. That's what I would call a moment of synchronicity where the very thing that I'm presenting is showing up around you, you yeah. to the bird, the dog seemed to like settle into that moment with that. Ah, yeah. When we do that, we kind of settle into our bodies and into the moment. So what a wonderful reflection around you that you were noticing, a presence. Wonderful. Well, we said we were going to do that. Let's let it flow. And it, it just exactly. flowed. I have goosebumps on my left arm. So Yay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> goosebumps are always a great sign to me that something is coming through. So. Yes, for sure. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's wonderful. All right. So do you want to want to tap on maybe one or two more? Yeah. So that leads into embodiment. So embodiment takes presence 
into our bodies. Um, I define it as um, being present and aware inside of our body and connected to the earth. So we first establish presence on being here right now. And then I'm coming into the experience in my body. And a lot of people might think like embodiment sounds like a no-brainer. Like I have a body, I'm in my body. Like what is there about that that I need to know? But honestly, a lot of times we are not in our bodies. We're up in thinking mind. We're in imagination. We're in the past. We're in the future. We're everywhere but right here, right now. And and we don't tend to go down inside of our body with our awareness. We tend to look at our body. So think about how much we look in the mirror. And that is our experience of our bodies. Not what am I feeling inside here right now? And when we're not in our body and we're thinking and kind of out, you know, in some abstract kind of way of experiencing life or telling a story, right? That's up in our head. That's not really embodied. The body literally can feel that we're not really present in it. And it sets it up more for fight or flight, more for this freeze now, fight, flight, or freeze, more of this um, sympathetic nervous system reaction to the world. Like, okay, the, the person, the being that's supposed to be in here isn't really here. It's over there worried or imagining about that. I'm crossing the street and somebody better be paying attention, right? Like how many people are doing this walking across the street now? Unbelievable. But somebody better be atten paying attention. So it's our nervous system that goes into that high alert. I better be paying attention because something could happen. And so we set ourselves up by not really fully being present in our bodies for that state of agitation that creates more anxiety. So coming into our bodies in a palpable inner awareness of what am I feeling? What am I experiencing? What am I sensing inside? We use our senses. We especially use the sense of feel, feeling. Again, I'm touching my belly right now because a lot of times we're just not, we might feel our fingertips in our body, but we don't feel like in our bellies. Um, when we come into that, it's like um, coming home. It's like one of the metaphors that I use with people is think about, do you, do you have kids? Yes. Maybe, and there's probably people out there that have kids or have been around like their nieces, nephews or whatever. Like if you've been around a toddler, around, say around 18 months, they're exploring the world and they, and they really need you to come back to, right? To know that you're there. Well, imagine, I mean, no one would do this, thank God, hopefully, um, that you had a toddler and you're like, well, Sweetheart, I'm going to go to the mall for a couple hours. I'll be good back. luck. <laughs> Have a good time. You know, that toddler would be like freaked out, right? right. I mean, what could happen to them? They could get into all sorts of trouble. They could hurt themselves. They could get into danger. That's how our body is when we're not in it. Our body's like freaked out. Like nobody's home. Nobody's running the ship. No one's taking care of me. So I've got to be really looking out and paying attention and, and, uh, unfortunately, I and mean, this is how we trip over curbs and stub our toes. A lot of times it's we're not really present. Yeah. So I guide people into how to be in their body, what that means, and how to connect to the earth. So by connecting to the earth in a mindful way, like trees do, we actually feel more stable, more calm, 
more um, supported. You know, trees, in order for them to grow up, what do they have to do? They okay. have to root down, yeah. right? Otherwise, they'd be top-heavy and unstable. So when we're up in our heads and not really filling our bodies, we're top-heavy and easily thrown off by whatever comes along, right? Whatever's in our life that's upsetting or difficult because life has that sometimes, right? Right. We can't, we're not going to expect to suddenly become enlightened and then nothing will ever bother us, right? That would be nice. But to me, the whole aim of personal and spiritual awakening is that we tap into that essence, that peace within us, our true self that knows how to deal with what comes up, that is so resilient, that is so capable and has such a deep trust both in ourselves and in something greater that whenever challenges arise, whether they're challenging emotions or situations, we know we've got this. We know, okay, I know how to navigate through these waters. I'm not going to avoid the waters. I can know how to go right through them and make it to the other shore. Yeah. It's really important for that. You brought up a really good point in when you said in knowing how to navigate those waters and knowing how to do so, because I know, again, going back to trauma history, myself and I know others who have experienced it, have dissociation, um, or I was terrified to be in my body because I was yes. afraid of the panic attacks. I was afraid of the the anxious feelings. And so I, I remember therapists prior saying, talking to me about breathing techniques. Well, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't focus on the breathing uh, because I was, it brought attention to the fact that, oh my gosh, I'm in my body. And it was a terrifying thought. Um, it wasn't until I learned so many of the coping skills that then I was able to be like, okay, now I can be in my body. I'm glad you brought up dissociation. It's something I talk about in my book. Um, and obviously, if I'm talking about not being in your body, leaving your body, that's in psychological terms, that's dissociation. And um, I didn't realize actually for many years that that was my primary coping mechanism was dissociating or going into my imaginal realms or um, you know, just not really being right here. And um, I never realized that, and, and this has actually been documented, that so at first we learn it as a coping mechanism to deal with anxiety or to deal with a trauma or to deal with an unsafe situation. But then the act of dissociating itself can actually trigger more anxiety for the reasons that I just laid out about not being embodied and the nervous system can't shift into from sympathetic, which is the stress response to parasympathetic, which is the relax and digest the peaceful calm state in, in us. Can't shift into that if we're constantly dissociating. So our journey home again in healing from trauma and healing from things that trigger our anxiety is to learn that this place here in the body is safe now. Yeah. The presence practice really helps us with that because it helps us to hear this moment in time. Right here, right now, I'm not back in that situation. I'm sitting here at my desk and, you know, my feet are on the floor and I have my chair at my back. There's no one else here. I'm talking with you and helps us get back to here in this present time and find that the body is actually safe now to be in. Yeah. 
and again, I think it, it is such a powerful moment when uh, those with anxiety and panic and symptoms can come back and be in the body because uh, it is like being home. I love the way you worded that. Um, to be able to finally be like, okay, it, I am safe and it's okay. Yeah. And, and it's wonderful to be me and in, in here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it takes a while, you know, it could take a while for a lot of people to kind of feel like, you know, I, I touch my body and just let myself know I'm here and in here is okay. And it's safe. Um, or, or it's okay. I, I prefer to use the word okay, yeah. because you can have a foundation of okay, even when things are difficult. So even, for example, I, I, when I was in the hospital a uh, number of years ago, when I had an appendectomy, emergency appendectomy, um, it didn't feel like a safe situation to me, right? And it's happening in my body. But from years of practice through yoga and meditation and my other inner work, there was this foundation inside of me underneath the fear and the reactions and what was going on. Like, okay, there's a part of me that's still okay. Yeah. There's, there's a part of me that's freaking out, but there's a part of me that's okay that knows I can get through this. And I'm going to draw on that part of me to sustain me and help comfort the other parts that are frightened. So, um, that like in this moment, can I be okay? Even when I'm having pain in my body, I find that most of the time my answer to that is yes. Like I can be okay even with my knee causing pain. I can be okay even with my stomach, you know, creating some acid reflux. I, I had acid reflux for a number of years. <laughs> I know that one really well. Um, and as I acknowledge the level of me that's, that's okay underneath that, I start to, the anxiety starts to ratchet down a bit. And I've seen client after client respond to this where we come into the present moment. We, and we look at how it actually is, not how our mind is telling the story about it. Because I know when I had acid reflux, it was always a fear of, is it going to get worse? And how much worse is it going to get? And is it going to burn all the way? Like there were times where I burned from my ears down to my bottom, <laughs> literally like burning. Yeah. Is it going to get like that? When I come back to, well, how is it actually right here, right now? Well, right here, right now in this moment, I'd say it's medium to moderate. I mean, it's not right now. I'm not feeling anything. But I would check in and be like, okay, actually, it's only a three right now. I don't need to freak out about how it might be or was before. I can just be with how it is here. That was so refreshing <laughs> and, and helpful to me that I could find that calm by just being with how it is rather than a mindfulness story. Yeah, you just said the word calm, and I was thinking what popped into my head was calm within the chaos. That there can, exactly. there can be calm even if there's chaos happening. Around. It's like the eye and the hurricane, right? Yeah. So there's a hurricane happening all around, but there's always an eye, a center. And I think of that eye as what um, I call, or in like yogic terms, the neutral witness. We have that part of ourselves, which is consciousness, which is awareness. It's not the thoughts. It's not the emotions. It's not the sensations. It's not the experiences around us. It's what watches all of that. It's witness to all of that. And when we can step back a little more into that witness consciousness, 
gives us a little space and distance from our reactions and our emotions and our triggers. I'm like, okay, from that place, I have choice. I'm watching and observing, and now I can choose more of how to respond to this trigger, this emotion, or this anxiety. Yeah, beautiful. All right, so our our time is is. I mean, we could sit and talk about all of them. <laughs> we could. I, I'm going to tell people. I'm going to say, hey, buy the book, and then you can find out the other the other steps. So, um, anything else that you wanted to touch upon that we we didn't have an opportunity to talk about? Well, I guess just to say briefly about the third of the seven keys that follows on all this is self compassion, and to remember that. You're not expected to be perfect or to do anything perfectly, that you're going to make mistakes we all do, that we're going to have times where our triggers come up. There's not um, an enlightened being here that never has triggers, but people who are more conscious, more aware, more, I think, who I think of are more evolved, they know how to respond rather than react. And they can embrace themselves with compassionate care. Like I'm here for myself. I'm understanding that in this moment it's difficult and I'm going to be present here with myself and hold myself with the kind of care that I would someone else in my life that was suffering. So to remember to bring in that self-compassion for yourself and be patient and trust the process that um, as you practice these simple keys, these simple practices that I lay out in the book, things will be able to shift for you. Yes. And one thing that if you could just touch upon is someone I was speaking to recently was talking about self-compassion, but struggled with it because this person considered it selfish. He, he thought he was being mm -hmm. selfish by being self-compassionate. Well, there is a concern about selfishness. People think, oh, especially spiritual people think you're supposed to be yeah. self. Never supposed to think about yourself. You're supposed to think about others. But again, that's like putting ourselves. And something I talk about in my book about feeling the pain of the world. Um, it's one of the six spiritual mistakes I talk about in there that actually increase your anxiety. That when we're always focused on okay, other people's suffering. First of all. We can actually absorb some of their suffering and pain and kind of feel it ourselves, which doesn't help us any. Doesn't make us more effective at helping them. We're just a puddle of mess now, right? Um, and that by caring for ourselves and what comes up for ourselves, we can actually be of more service to others because then we'll bring ourselves back to feeling more whole within, feeling more steady and stable and grounded within, feeling more present in this moment. And there was one other thing I wanted to say about that. Um, oh, that a lot of people confuse self-compassion with self-pity. With like, oh, does that mean I'm going to have a pity party and feel sorry for myself? It right. is not at all that. It's not about ruminating and going how terrible it is that I feel this way. It's really about, okay, in this moment I'm feeling pain and I'm here for myself. And I'm acknowledging that. And I'm going to be kind to myself right now. And I'm going to recognize that, yes, I'm suffering. And there's other people in the world right now that probably feel very much like this. And I'm just going to take some time to breathe and be here with that part of me that's afraid or stressed out. 
that's self-compassion and with with an openness to that feeling of anxiety with an openness to understand it and to maybe learn from it what is it trying to guide me to and i talk about that those are like steps four and five keys four and five in the book wonderful all right well I, again i love it i could sit and talk to you for hours on end i'm sure i love it terry <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how do, how do people get a hold of you? Where do they find you? My website is Awakening Self, like yourself, awakeningself.com. And um, on there, you can find all kinds of resources. I have lots of articles and radio shows and podcasts like this. And, um, and then, of course, my book, Awakening from Anxiety, A Spiritual Guide to Living a More Calm, Confident, and Courageous Life. You can find it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and Indie Books, or you can order it from your local bookstore. Wonderful. All right. Well, it's just been an absolute honor to have you here with me and share your beautiful insights. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you, Terry. It's been such a blessing. And thank you for having the healing place to help and support others in their journey. Oh, thank you very much. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us here today. Um, remember, you can check out the podcast on YouTube as well as listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and other audio outlets. Um, all right. Well, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.